What's going on, coaches? You're locked in to keep your pads down. So buckle up your chin strap, get your head down and butt up in the air, get ready to fire off the ball because this is the podcast for the defensive line. So wherever you're checking us out today, thank you for tuning in. Well, before I go any further, I got to give my man, Coach D. Canes, in my hometown, Sam Houston State Bearcats, a shout-out for their unbelievable comeback win uh, over James Madison on Saturday in the national semifinals game. I was driving a lot Saturday, uh, going to see some family, but I tuned in in the second quarter, and, man, things did not look good for the Bearcats. And they uh, went in with, with the score, I think, was, was 24-3 at halftime uh, in favor of James Madison. But – Sam Houston's offense exploded in the third quarter, took the lead, and then held off a late rally by James Madison to punch their tickets to next weekend's national championship game in Frisco versus South Dakota. So congratulations to Coach Sadiq. I also have a kid that I coached in Kerrville uh, on the roster there as a, as a backup quarterback, Trapper Panel. So congratulations to him. I know the city of Huntsville is pumped, and I can't wait to watch next weekend's national championship game. That one's going to be a fun one for sure. By the way, the defense for the Cats really stepped up in the second half uh, and, and, and finished the day with five sacks, including a, a kind of a key takedown there on third down right at the end of the game when, when uh, James Madison was trying to set up to kick the, uh, a game-tying field goal. So once again, congratulations to those guys. They're going to have a fun week preparing for that game and, and just really excited for them and Coach Sadiq Kane. So congratulations, Coach. Now, as I mentioned at the top of this episode here, we are the podcast for all things D-line play. That doesn't mean that every episode necessarily revolves around D-line play, but most of them do. And those that don't will still, I think, or at least I hope, bring value to you, uh, defensive line coaches, and, and really any coach. But we obviously aren't the only resource out there available for you D-line guys looking to learn more about that position specifically. So I, I want to take a couple minutes here before we get started to highlight a few really awesome resources that I've leaned on when it comes to learning more about coaching the defensive line. And these first are from Twitter. These first few, uh, first, as far as D-line content goes, I think you gotta, you gotta make sure you're following Craig Rowe. And that's, he's at Craig, C-R-A-I-G, Rowe, R-O-H. Uh, he does a great job of putting out film cutups of drills or techniques with explanations. He's also developing the Block Destruction Bible, which looks like it'll be really, really good. Uh, so Craig Rowe, great follow on Twitter for D-line content. Another one is my man, Coach Lawson, with Get to the QB, another place where you can find some clips of drills and, and pass rushes, examples of guys using great technique uh, from the collegiate professional levels. Uh, he's also done some, some breakdowns of, of NFL defensive lines and why they were so successful. So you can check out all of his stuff, and you can find him at Coach Lawson TX. That's at Coach Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N-T-X. He's another great account to check out for your D-line coaches. Another one uh, is D-line vids. Great, really great place to find some videos on pass rush and pass rush drills. Uh, and you can find them at D-line vids one. A few others I'll rattle off here really quick that I've pulled some stuff from are, are actually Prismatic Solutions, which you can find them at Prismatic USA. Uh, Coach Brandon Jordan, he can be found at, at Coach BT Jordan. And, of course, the Make Defense Great Again podcast with Coach Vass. That's at MDGA podcast. Uh, th those are always some really deep dives into defense and, and uh, just a great job there by Coach Vass. So that's, th those are a few on Twitter anyways, a few resources you, you can check out. Another one available on Twitter, another resource for you D-line coaches, is one put out by my man, Coach Peter Noonan, and that is the Tuesday Night Disruption Chat, which takes place every Tuesday night at 730 Central. Now, 
I know. Well, coach, I got stuff going on during the week. I got to put kids. Dude, I have three kids, uh, T-ball games, stuff. But find a way. Show up Tuesday night, 7.30. Coach Noonan does a lot of gr great work and, and puts a lot of effort into getting some great questions together. And, look, you can, you can send a tweet and then go do what you need to do. Hop back on. Read everybody's responses. Answer the next question. Put your phone away. You know, uh, go do what you need to do. Uh, pretend like you're going to the bathroom so you can hide from your wife and kids really quick. Answer the other question. You know, there's ways around it, okay? So, anyway, uh, that's going on every Tuesday night at 730 Central. You can find that by searching the hashtag Disruption Chat or give Coach Noonan a follow at Coach Noon 45 He also has a great podcast, Hanging with Coach Noonan, uh, that he puts out every week. So, now those are some great resources that you can find on Twitter. But finally, you know I got to highlight Season three sponsor of KYPD, which is another outstanding resource, not only for D-line coaches, but really all coaches out there. And that is, of course, Our Coaching Network. Our Coaching Network is a new football coaching platform connecting coaches from all levels and helping them get better every week. Our Coaching Network has live clinics going off three to four nights a week. And we'll have 150 plus hours of high quality live coaching clinics this year with each week's clinics added to a library that can be referred back to at any time in the future. I actually went back and watched one this week. Uh, going to be coaching linebackers, and so I went back and was, was watching a few linebacker presentations that were really, really helpful. Uh, anyway, this week uh, we'll feature clinics Monday through Thursday night, and this week's slate of clinics is heavy on the defensive side of the ball with a, G, with a GA Talks dis discussing linebacker and then O-line play on Monday night. Another GA Talk Tuesday night, which will cover O-line and D-line play. And then Wednesday night and Thursday night clinics will feature two awesome D-line coaches and former guests of this podcast, uh, and Coach Steven Jackson from Davidson University and Coach Liddell Love from Northwestern, uh, Northwestern State University there in Natchitoches, Louisiana, uh, speaking on Thursday night. So get on over to our coaching network, create your account. It's going to cost you something like 50 cents a day and level up on your football knowledge and begin learning and connecting with coaches from all over the country. Now, last thing here before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about our other sponsor for Season 3 of our show here that we are really happy to be partnering with, and that is Go Edit Graphics. You know, promoting your athletic program and even yourself on social media today is something every coach should be thinking about. And, and maybe you have no idea about how to go about doing that. Well, don't worry. You're in luck. Our next sponsor, Go Edit Graphics, has you covered. Now, what GoEdit Graphics does is allow any coach to create custom graphics in minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it their own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, to name a few. You need a Twitter banner for your profile? They got templates for that. You want to build a recruiting graphic for your athletes? They have a template for that. The platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. So if you're looking for a way to promote the awesome things going on in your athletic program, then the team at GoEdit Graphics has got you covered. Subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Here's something else that's cool. Mention keep your pads down and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. Go check them out on Twitter at GoEdit Graphics or visit their website through the link in today's show notes to see examples of the awesome graphics coaches have already created. Showcase your athletes with custom graphics in less than two minutes with GoEdit Graphics. All right, so in today's episode of the podcast, we're talking with Coach Larry Harmon, the defensive coordinator at the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor uh, over there in Belton, Texas. Coach Harmon has been the defensive coordinator for the Crusaders for 19 seasons. 
And in that time, he's helped UMHB reach three straight national championship games from 2016, 2017, 2018, uh, winning championships in 16 and 17. Under Coach Harmon's direction, the crew defense has produced 10 AFCA All-Americans and 11 ASC Defensive Players of the Year. Now, prior to joining the staff at UMHB, Coach Harmon spent two seasons as an assistant coach at Northwest Missouri State, where he helped guide the Bearcats to the NCAA Division II National Championship game in 1998. Now, speaking of South Dakota State playing against Sam Houston State uh, this Saturday uh, for the National Championship game, which we already mentioned, Coach Harmon is actually a 1995 graduate of South Dakota State, where he was a four-year letterman as a strong safety for the Jackrabbits football team. So, you know, he's fired up about this weekend's game as well. Today, Coach Harmon and I talk about his defensive philosophy that he's honed in his almost two decades of leading the defense there for the Crusaders. Uh, we talk specifically about their D-line techniques, touch on some linebacker play, and then close out talking about some DB play and the Crews cover two coverage. Some great stuff to get into today's episode, so let's get to it. Here is Mary Harden-Baylor defensive coordinator, Coach Larry Harmon, on episode number 105 of KYPD. Coach Harmon, it is an honor to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for joining us to talk a little football. Absolutely. It's great to be able to talk some ball and, and to be asked to be to be speaking on these things. So this, this is cool. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. And uh, obviously your record and, and the championships there that, that, you, that you've been a part of and, and helped uh, bring home to Mary Harden Baylor speak for themselves. And, 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 and as we mentioned before, as we talked before, you, you've been the coordinator there now for, for, for 19 seasons. Uh, and, and been at Mary Harden Baylor for 21 years total. Can you even remember what it was like to coach at another place? Yeah, I remember Northwest Missouri State. We had some really good teams and won a national championship there. And yeah, I can remember. But uh, you know, uh, it's kind of like you. You're at a really good place, and it's uh, when everything's kind of set up where you can be successful. It it's hard to leave. Even it doesn't matter what level it is. It's just really hard to leave when you know you can win year in year out. Absolutely. And I think anybody, especially in the state of Texas and even outside uh, of, of the state of Texas, when they hear Mary Harden Baylor, uh, it's it's you know synonymous with, with a championship program and 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 a really an elite program uh, in the state of Texas and, and nationwide as well. And you mentioned Northwest Missouri State, another program that's in that same class on the Division two level. So let, let's just back up and just talk about your coaching journey altogether, how you got involved in coaching in the first place and just some stops that you've made along the way. How I got into coaching, um, I thought I wanted to be a pre-med guy. That's what I went to college for. Uh, that's what I first majored in. And, uh, you know, I was uh, trying to play quarterback at South Dakota State. And, uh, heck, I was having a hard time just picking up the offense, let alone try to be a pre-med guy. So, after two semesters, I realized that a lot of people were having a lot more fun than I was. So, I, I kind of – did a little soul search and said, well, what, what brings me in the most joy? And uh, I was lucky my whole career um, had great relationships with every single coach. I mean, I can remember my junior high coach, uh, Sherman Monroe was an incredible man. And um, I just, you know, that just kind of triggered. I want to be able to have that with a bunch of kids and uh, be able to be a mentor and, and uh, 
you know, hopefully there's guys out there saying the same thing about me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Coach. I think, you know, for the, for those of us who, who get into it the right way, it is the, uh, or for the right reasons, it is, it is the kids that keep us, keep us going uh, through the ups and the downs, through the lean years, even through the, the championship years. Those are the, the things that we tend to remember the most is those relationships with our players. Yeah. So I played for Mike Daly at South Dakota State. Mike was, um, before he got there, he'd been a bunch of stops, but one one stop in particular, he was at Wisconsin for several years as the, as the defensive back coach. And uh, so it's the only place where I've been where, heck, the head coach was down with the safeties in the corners more than he was anywhere else. And so uh, that was kind of neat right away. And uh, and then I got to go to Northwest Missouri State and, and be with Mel Church. When the defensive coordinator there was a guy by the name of Scott Bostwick, and uh, he was a heck of a dude, a heck of a ball coach. And uh, you know, when when I got there, it's when it really started thinking about your career. And you know, everybody has those dreams of being a Division One, Power Five kind of coach. Um, and I, I I wanted to coach that kind of athlete. I realized where I was trying to get to, you know, a power five was going to be a tough road to travel. Um, so why not try to get to Texas? And, uh, you know, my goal was to be a Texas high school coach and just coach those D one guys when they're just a little younger. And, uh, man, I had probably a hundred resumes out. Um, I had one coach call me back from Denton and, uh, I, I'll never forget talk about getting humbled. Uh, he said, well, what are you thinking? I said, well, I mean, I like, I think I'm prepared and ready to be on a varsity staff. He goes, coach, my junior high guys have more experience than you do coaching. And uh, so, um, you know, Mary Harden Baylor, they, they started football, I think in 98 was their first season. So they had played one year. Um, as you can expect, there was a lot of turnover. And in order for me to get to Texas, I had to take a, a one-year program, a Division three school in Central Texas uh, to get here. And uh, I was fortunate enough when I came in, uh, we had some, you know, just Coach Fredenberg is a Texas legend. Corky Nelson's a Texas legend. Joe George has won state championships. He was a head coach at four schools in our conference. And he coached our old line. And then our offensive coordinator at the time was George Hafner. He just happened to coach Tony Dorsett and Herschel Walker. Uh, so I came in and all of a sudden I was looking around and I was surrounded by a lot of knowledge and, uh, I was smart enough to say, let's just hang around here and learn something. Yeah. So that's kind of my journey through the process and how I ended up in Texas is, uh, you know, it was, it was probably 97 when that thought came to my mind of what do I really want to do? Where do I really want to be? If you're going to coach football, you better be in Texas. Yeah, amen, amen. I know that the guys listening to us in the state of Texas are going to be uh, nodding their head at that. So now, you, you like we've already mentioned, you've been there for 21 seasons now in a profession where guys are 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 you know rarely in a, in a position very long. Besides the, the the winning, obviously, what's kept you at Mary Harden Baylor? Oh, the people, uh, Pete Fredberg. Uh, man, what can you say about coach? He kind of started off as my boss. And then kind of became a friend and then all of a sudden became a best friend and, and father figure. And, you know, and I think from, I think I'm right in saying this from 
1999 to 2013, we didn't have a single coached turnover. And it was just, it, it's just been so much fun. I mean, um, we're at a place that we don't teach. I mean, all we do is coach football and recruit. That's, that's what we do. And to not have to be in a classroom where we're teaching a, a PE class, I mean, you guys know, uh, anything that takes you away from what you really want to do, and you know how hard it is to win. Any minute you're not watching film or studying, you, you feel like your opponent has an advantage of you. So um, I'll never forget Coach Fred. It was, you know, 99 or 2000, we're talking. He's like, yeah, I'm going to coach here a couple of years and then get back into Division One, And, uh, shoot, uh, it's gone by, just smoke through a keyhole. So uh, it's been the people, the kids. It's really incredible when, when you're coaching kids that are doing it without a scholarship. Those kids really love the game, and uh, they, they really want to play. And most of our kids are your guys' favorite players. They might not be your best players, but they're your favorite players. And uh, when you're surrounded by those kind of guys, I mean, it's just – I haven't had a bad day in 21 years because of that. Yeah, Coach, you're absolutely right. You know, those guys that, that end up going playing Division three football are usually guys who love playing football. And, and you're right. Those are the guys that you love coaching because they maximize their ability. You know, if they're, if they're a seven on the football field, you're going to get a seven every day. And, and those are those kids, those kind of kids are really fun to coach. And I imagine that you guys coach up a lot on potential there. You get a kid in who maybe, you know, obviously didn't have the size or maybe the speed or whatever of, you know, to attract those di division one schools. But I'm, I, I can imagine that on that level, it's really fun seeing those kids develop and grow into something that, a lot of coaches didn't see or at least have time to develop at a, at a bigger program. Right. Yeah. No question. And that's usually what, what we hear now is that, you know, coach, he's, he's a 10 too slow or he's 20 pounds too light, but two years from now, he's going to be 240 or he's going to be 230 or, you know, you can get the leg strength in him and get teaching his form to where he will be a four six kid. And, and uh, man, that happens more time. Than not so at our level the relationship with high school coaches is so critical because those kids that don't get anything they come to you coach where can I play and uh, so that relationship of you guys calling us and saying hey I got a kid here's you know being under recruited he's a little you know he's got some kind of little ward about him but man he's bought into our program he's been a team captain he loves to play he's on stick uh, you know, I don't have to worry about them on Saturday night. And um, and that's what we built our program on, just a core group of guys like that. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's really the secret. Uh, you know, everybody wants to know X's and O's. And, you know, we have our scheme, you have yours, and there's a million schemes that, that work. Um, the, the thing that I think we've done the best here is getting guys to buy in and uh, – you know, trust each other, care about each other, and be committed to be the best you can be every single day. And, uh, you know, so that's that's what Coach Fred spends so much of his time with. It's just unity council and how how we can keep that team chemistry. Absolutely, Coach. Yeah, that's great stuff. Well, let's let's talk a, a little bit of X's and O's now, and uh, give us a, just a quick overview of your defense and, and how you have developed your defensive scheme over the years. I'm sure that, you know, um, it's, it's probably been tweaked 
uh, over the span of that night, those 19 seasons that you've been there. So just talk to us about your defensive front and how you arrived at that philosophy and, and what you like about it. Okay. Well, I've, I've played in the even front. I, I haven't really coached an odd other than nickel pass situations, trying to get a pass rush, you know, um, but, um, you know, when, when I came to Mary Harden Baylor, when Corky was the coordinator, we were a four, three, and that's what Pete was at Baylor. They were four, three, um, combination, man, they call it combo. So we always had, you know, triangles, three over two, two over one. And, uh, that was great. I mean, it was, it's a great, um, 21, 20 personnel, um, we were going to always have, you know, two hit guys on each side. It didn't matter which way the run went strong or weak. The problem um, that the frustrations that we had was we had a lot of third and six, third and fives. And when, when the kind of the more athletic type quarterback got into that position, uh, we were, they were getting a lot of third down conversion against us because our backs were turned because we were in man. And the quarterback, you know, we'd get out of our pass rush lane and the quarterback would scamper for six or seven. And, and it was – it got real frustrating. And then, um, you know, really when I first got here, most of the people, the one back was 11 personnel. And the, the evolve of the 10 personnel and the spread and just fly motions and things like that um, caused us some trouble. Um, being able to handle motion and get our adjustments called. Um, you know, when you're man and your guy goes across, all of a sudden that changes your eyes. It just kind of got a little frustrating. So in 02, when I became a coordinator, I was, I, I told Pete that I, I wanted to go four, two, five and play more quarters. And um, so uh, he let me go up and visit with Gary Patterson and, Chad Glasgow and spent a lot of time with them and they were gracious enough to actually sit down and really walk me through it. Like I was a, you know, like I was a freshman in their program and it, and it really helped. We played, you know, got into that robber coverage and quarter coverage and had zone eyes. And, and I think we did that in O twos when we first implemented it in O four, we played in the national championship. Um, and it was a game changer for us. Offensive, offensive coordinators hadn't quite picked up on all the different quarter beaters yet. And, um, and, you know, we just had a lot of success with it. And that kind of went on until 2011, I think, is probably where it started, where now you, the offenses had caught up to us and everybody had quarter beaters. And we were spending more time on crack replace out of different formation, bunt sets. I mean, it just, it got to be where I was teaching more crack replace than I was anything else. And uh, North Dakota State was playing Sam Houston in the national championship. And Sam Houston was really, really good. Bob DeVest was the OC and they were running the, the triple option and they had some go daddies and the running back was a D1 transfer kid. And North Dakota State played that game probably 85, 90% in cover two. They had corner run support the whole day and really gave that offense fits. And it was one of those epiphany days where, you know, I'm like, man. And then I called up coach and said, Pete, you seen this game? And he's like, yeah, it's 
pretty interesting, isn't it? So then uh, we got talking with uh, Steve Standard, who was the linebacker coach there, and, and uh, kind of reverted back to 4-3 cover two because the one thing about the 4-2-5, um, you know, the center was – we weren't controlling the center nearly as well as what we do now. Uh, we play a zeroed-up linebacker now, put him at three yards and read the triangle. And, uh, you know, we make it – I think that's probably the best thing that we do. If you ask people who play us, what's the most frustrating thing? It's probably getting that middle linebacker on us. You know, because if 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 you're not – if you're just going to bring the tackle straight down on them, we're running through, you know, um, if you're not going to protect that three technique. You know, so – Anyway, that's that's kind of the involvement with the with the spread and the RPO and uh, you know all the quick passes, the tag routes now that everybody has, just kind of having some corner run support out there and being able to tweak who the run through is so it's not always the Mike linebacker uh, has been hasn't been a blessing for us because we went to three straight uh, national championships, one two of them and. It has its issues, just like everything else that you got to work through. But uh, it's been great for us. It's allowed us to play with bigger corners. They don't have to be just great man-to-man guys. They can, you know, our, our guys are six-three and six-two. We went from a five-nine, one hundred and sixty-five, seventy-pound kid to six-three, two hundred-pound kid, and uh, that's that's really made us more physical on the edges. You know, we kind of say. Uh, we're gonna make it throw the longest pass, which is known, you know, decrease the percentages of completions just by itself. And then uh, we've been blessed to have some really, really talented defensive linemen. So you know, that always helps. Well, let's talk about those defensive linemen. You mentioned playing a four-three. Uh, talk about your techniques you're playing. I'm sure you're playing a, a, a you know, a five and a three, uh, maybe a nose shade or a two eye, and then another five on the other side. So just walk us through those defensive linemen and. How you're yeah. playing those guys? Do you move them around, uh, stem those guys? How are you playing them? Yeah, so, you know, just for simplistics of teaching, uh, we say that we either have an edge player or we have an under player. So, for us, um, a one, three, five, nine, those are all edge players. Okay? And then a two, a four, um, and a seven would be an under player for us. And, uh, you know, so we teach right left-handed stances like everybody else. Uh, we basically got three techniques that we do. We teach a read, we teach an attack read, and then we teach an attack. So uh, for purposes of just kind of talking about how we teach things, I'll start with the attack read. That's kind of what everybody thinks, you know, you have your your power legs in the gap that you're responsible for, your transition leg is is back, your butt's up, you know, your hands in front of your face mask, all that stuff. And we're, we're looking for a six-inch step. That's what we want. And uh, we're just going to play off of that, that guard. And the knowledge that you get before the ball is snapped as far as, you know, is the lineman in the A position, uh, what's the split of the A gap, and the B gap, you know, if I'm playing a three technique, you're, you're looking for a 24 inch spacing there in the B gap. And, you know, if they, if they 
try to over split the a gap you might move the head up just because of, of, of that split but uh, um, yeah we're just looking for that six inch step and if he's real heavy it might have to go to a two inch step we want to have both feet in the ground when we make contact and uh, you know we teach a, a base block we teach double team and we teach a power zone that's what we try to teach that's what we see the most uh, for a three tech. You know, and then if you're an edge player, you you know, your feet are just opposite, your your inside legs up, and you know, now you're teaching a, a base block, an inside cut off and a fold. And uh, so and and then, you know, that's that's basically what we're doing in our tack read. We're keying the man. We're not we're not doing a ball key, it's more run emphasis. I'm assuming with your attack read. I'm getting hands on that guy and I'm and, and the read part comes in with you know with my hands I'm allowing my hands to kind of tell me where the ball's going is, is that correct and then your attack would be more of like your pass rush appro- approach correct and and with 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 the attack read I'm I'm reading the body my transition foot is going to move forward but in the direction in which the body my the guard is moving I'm moving with the guy and, and you'd like that. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to get our power leg. We're trying to get the strength from our power leg transitioned over to our transition leg and be, be able to get both legs straight, get power into the guy. And, and we want to get across the line of scrimmage. I know that might sound crazy, but uh, we don't talk about D linemen keeping O linemen off our linebackers and stuff like that. They have pads. We want them to make plays. We want to try to be as aggressive as we can. Um, you know, the things that keep us from doing that, that's where we're always going to start uh, versus the run is we want to do an attack read. We want to get our hands on control, get across the line of scrimmage. If uh, old linemen, if they're a little bit stronger than us, or if they just that torque, that, that wheel block that, that, that old linemen do, you know, they just kind of twist, they use your power against them. They just. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then our kids, that's part of the knowledge. If that happens to one of our guys, they got to realize what happened to them and now change their stance, get into more of a read where um, I never want to say lateral, but your feet are more balanced up. They're a little more under you, kind of like that. I don't know. It, we, we, to give a visualize to our guys, we say, hey, picture yourself as a linebacker and put your hands down on the ground. You know, we try to get into our stance. We, Back's a little flatter, butt's a little lower, and we're gonna step with the same foot, the direction that the guard moves. We're gonna step with that foot and just roll our hips. It's kind of like a no step, and that helps us stay square, not get torqued. And uh, and, and again, that's a that's a man key. And and then uh, you're right, the, the attack is just third and seven, and you're just on turn loose and work a pass rush move. And go from there. Now that's a ball key, you know. Yeah, yeah. What what determines whether you're going to be, uh, you know, attack or attack and and read? Just run or pass mainly. Yeah, yeah. So it's so or, that's or or the 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 quality of guard that we're going against. If we're just better, if we're just stronger. Uh, when we had Hayson Adams, he just attacked all day. Hayson was probably 6'4", 315. I mean, you know, got to go with the Cardinals. So, I mean, you just let that guy go. You don't pivot him at all. Right, absolutely. 
Absolutely. So uh, talk about what we've talked about a little bit about your edge players, talked about your three tech. How are you playing your nose? We don't, you know, just like every, we don't play a lot of nose, but when we do play a nose, he just plays behind the block. He's always going to be behind the center. Head up. Again, we'll try to do an, an attack read, but, uh, you know, we've always told him just stay behind. So, so, so when you say you don't play, so are you, are y'all have, do you have two threes that the, two, you're, you're playing with two threes or do you have a, I play with a G is that okay? What, yeah. 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 There we go. Twos the yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All we right. don't play a lot of shade. Um, you know, um, uh, we, the times I've, I've played shade is where I knew everything was going strong. I mean, you knew it before the play ever happened and, or, to always predict where the center's blocking for a pass, you know, yeah. shade, hog, just just so you know you don't force the center to block a certain direction. But yeah, we play a lot more G alignment, balances up better. Yeah, I think so. I th- it, it it definitely constricts that B gap bubble, which is obviously something you always have to be mindful of. You know, in a four down front of of guys attacking that, and I think that that makes it. A little bit easier for you to to constrict that thing and make it a, an easier fit for your for your your will linebacker uh, to fit that. One thing I like to do is balance formations. I like to play two head up. I mean, two true two techniques: head up on the guards, not show them a bubble, and then flex yeah. the other. Yeah. Uh, don't really. I mean, if you watch any of our film or talk to any of our opponents, they. I mean. Trips formations, tight, you know, trips with the tight ends about the only time you'll see us in a three and a two uh, anymore. We'll, we'll be in two twos and two fives or, uh, against balance for especially 10 versus 10. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, our five technique, he's going to react to the tackle. Okay. Uh, five technique for us means we're always going to spill. He's always going to be under um, any kind of pulls that come at him. He will play uh, – we got two ways to play him, obviously. It's probably like everybody else. I mean, if the back is an option to his side, we got to decide if we don't play him fast or we don't – we call it cut to keep. A lot of people call it surfer, you know, where you just slide, you read it. And you're trying to protect the wrap of the will linebacker or the B-gap linebacker, um, you know. And, and I used to like playing it slow a lot more than anything else, but with RPOs and stuff – We've kind of changed our thoughts a little bit, and it's we defend the RPOs a lot better when we just go fast and they can cue it, you know, and, and they don't have time to throw it instead of, you know, because offensive football, geez, we 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 gave up some passes this year that the the center was deeper than the guy that caught the ball and it didn't get called. So, <laughs> like we all have on defense. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, let, let's talk about you, you mentioned, uh, you know, how your Mike linebacker and your placement of him is maybe one of the best things you do. Go go in a little more detail about that and how you're playing that guy. And uh, you talked about his keys a little bit, but talk about your Mike linebacker. Well, we, you know, so when, when we have two twos, um, we're going to try to two gap those guys. And so we're that Mike is at three yards depth. His heels are at three and. We, we know where the back is, so you have a good idea where the center is going. So we're you – know, we, we're just able to punch the center 
and be able to get off. And we're always going to protect what we call the 10 tackles. So you would think of the zone is going away from the back. You would think that the 10 tackles don't be that the tackle of the side of the back. So we're going to punch and work to that side. If, if it was a two back set and you wanted to, or you thought you're going to get a double team to the side of the back, you might flex your tackle of that side and they might run an ISO or something back away to where your mic has to know where the 10 tackle is and be able to fit to that backside B gap. Um, as far as being the hit. Man. So, um, yeah, we just really just concentrate real hard at trying to predict where that center is going and fit the mic off of it. And, and what's been good for us, I mean, the, the thing, if you ask me, you know, what do you have to know about Mary Hard Baylor first? Our, my number one job is teach our kids how to win one-on-one. We spend more time on that than anything. So uh, our daily must, uh, you know, we're going to start off and we're going to do Bucker. Then we're going to go to Oklahoma. Then we're going to go to inside. Then we're going to, I mean, everything is about teaching the kid how to punch, get off a block and get to the football. Because uh, they got a hat on a hat, basically, every single play, you know, unless you're overloaded one side and get away with something. So uh, that's, I think that's probably the, the thing that is the hardest because, you know, the kids we get kind of used to run around things and to, to, to get a guy to sit in there and learn to really how to snap his hips, create power and get a little separation, be able to get off of that is uh, uh, that, that's probably the thing that takes the longest for us to get taught. And, uh, you know, kids, it's hard. And kids want it, want it a little easier to begin with. And uh, it just takes them until they get it and it happens in a game where they punch and really separate and get off a block and go make a play for a five-yard loss. Then they then we kind of have them. They're like, man, this really works. I understand what you're saying now, Coach, you know, and that stuff. But when we first started two-a-days and stuff, they – they don't, they don't like going to that bucker sled. You know, I coach secondary and you get a little corner on a bucker sled. They're like, what? What is this? You know, I want to defend passes and stuff. So, um, yeah. So, so back to our, our Mike linebacker, um, we feel real comfortable. We're going to be able to punch and separate and get off the center all day long. So is he almost like a, like a two gap nose on that center? Like he's, he's punching that center and, and, and able to play both A-gaps, or, or how, how is he? One of those tackles, as long as the center is, is zoned, our tackle, one tackle will end up being a three, and the other one will play both A-gaps. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Now, okay. if they want to block back, you know, they'll chip back and then try to come up. Uh, you know, people try to do that. But uh, if you don't step them, if, if, if you step that center anywhere but right at us, we're gonna be gone. I mean, we're gonna go right to the end. Yeah, I got you. Let's let's go back to uh, talking about your your block destruction stuff and, and and your bucker sled and just just walk us through because I you're exactly right. You know, it's um, you know, we see the same thing on the high school level that you get young defensive linemen or linebackers, whatever defensive position it is, uh, just try to run around stuff to make plays, and <laughs> and and you know their eyes are in the backfield. And that is the toughest thing to get them to use their hands and be physical at the point of attack. And once they understand that, then it's the, the game starts to slow down for them. 
What what are some of your favorite just just block destruction drills that you're doing? Uh, you know, pretty regularly with your guys. Well, okay, so our daily must for our D linemen. I mean, they don't start on some bag works just to kind of warm up. But the meats and potatoes of this thing, uh, a bucker sled is it's a sled that's probably the pad is probably thirty six inches high, and it's you know it's a sled that the coach can stand on, and it has down on by probably about a foot off the ground there's two squares on each there, there's a square on each side of the pad where you can put your hand on it you know so we get our d linemen in their stance and all it is is a no step or a, if you're if, if you're teaching attack read you try to get that six inch step and then punch off two feet and it's all it's teaching is snapping the hips and you want to i mean we always talk about bam bam and then they go to the other side, bam, bam. Then we seat roll out of it. And as a coach standing up on that thing, you can tell when a kid punches it. And then when a kid just kind of lifts it, because most kids naturally they lift all their power goes up instead of punching through a guy. So we're going to start with that bucker sled and we're going, we're going to teach. They don't feel what it feels like to really roll their hips and punch and, and use both legs, not just be on one leg. Okay. And then from there, then they're going to go to the five-man sled. And then that's when we teach block recognition. So we'll say, hey, you're an edge guy. You're a three technique, you know, and here's a base block. Here's, here's a down block. Here's, here's a power. Here's double team. And we want to just see the reaction out of that transition foot movement, okay? And then from that, now you go to redrill. So redrill for us, you have a guard and a tackle with the three technique. And then you got a center and a guard and you have a two technique and you're just, like I said, I mean, you don't, you don't work a reach, you don't, or a base block, you don't work a double team, you don't work a power zone on for the three. And then on the other side, on the two technique, uh, we don't work a a base block an inside cutoff and then a full block. And then the, the ends are at what we call outside read and, uh, we don't run a read option at them. We're going to run speed option at them. Those are really the, the two main ones. It's just zone option or a, just a zone read at them because that's the one where that guy has to play a little slow, react to the tackle and, and stay behind the line of scrimmage and come down. Um, and then from that, then, then we go right into what we call half line. And uh, that's where you, you have your offense. And you got two offenses going. And one's a strong side play and one's a boundary play. And that's just a great drill for teaching ends, um, you know, to play fast or slow play. We play a five, we play a nine. And, you know, all those things are, are, are foundational drills for D line. And it's, it's just, it's, it's funny because sometimes, you know, I, I think we can get caught up in trying to go find these brand new drills or, or, you know, maybe, overthinking things when it really it just boils down to being able to do those things that you're talking about right there. Uh, and for you guys, obviously the proof is in, is in the pudding with, you know, how successful you've been, you know, getting on that sled, you know, and, and, and working those steps, working that, that, that hand strike and then, and then, and then graduating on to, you know, doing your, your block recognition, block destruction stuff is, is, is key uh, for those guys to be successful. Yeah. And, and, and we spend, we have probably D lines a little bit more. Uh, D line probably has about 
25 or 30 minutes where they're kind of by themselves as far as daily must-up. But then when redrill hits, that's competition against our offense. And same with Oklahoma and then middle and then half line. And, and then we do team pass. Um, I think I think we're probably 40, 40 minutes of competition every single day. You know, and then that, yeah, wow. that, that gives you about 50, 55 minutes for – going against opponent stuff. Yeah. And and that doesn't change. And, you know, there, there's times where, you know, there's so – an offense has so many formations and you, you want to get formation recognition and just kids seeing it. And, uh, you know, coach has always been, no, we're, we're not – this is our daily bread stuff. We're going to do this. You get better by be competing and doing against your best players on both sides of the ball, and you kind of walk a fine line. You don't want to get anybody hurt. Sometimes you do, uh, but you know uh, how else do you get better, and how else do you play championship football if you're not teaching your kids how to be physical and be one, be able to win one on one on both sides? That's right. That's right. No, I, I totally agree. Well, let, let's let's move on to the uh, to the back end and, and talk about those DBs. Uh, very interesting, you know, playing cover two, uh, basing out of cover two um, with your guys. Elaborate on that a little bit more and why you guys like that and what that allows you to do. I know you talked about it helps you play with big, you know, bigger DBs who don't have to be necessarily elite cover guys. Uh, so just talk about uh, why, why you like playing cover two with, 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 your, with your defensive. Uh, well, defense. the, the first thing it did is we have field distribution. I mean, so the, the way we coach and the way it's caught up, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter if there's a reverse. It doesn't matter if there's a double pass. Uh, uh, we just had so much better field distribution. We weren't out of, out of place as bad. And uh, so that, that was the first thing. And then just the concept of, uh, you know, forcing an offense to always throw the longest pass. And uh, so you're either going to do that or you're going to check it down to the back. And, uh, you know, the, those two things I can live with because we, we believe in um, playing with great effort. And um, after the Saints won the, the world championship, I went over there, and had the opportunity to go there and study a little bit. And it was incredible. You know, they have Drew Brees and Reggie Bush and all these offensive weapons and, there was only one guy. The free safety was 18 yards deep. Everybody else was on the line of scrimmage. The whole practice. The whole practice. And uh, when, after practice, you know, they go and watch film, and I'm, I'm sitting in there and, and raise my hand and say, hey, who has the screen here? I mean, what, what do they do? They just run a tunnel screen to Reggie. And uh, the defensive coordinator goes, anybody want to answer that? And this defensive tackle stands up and he said, if they would run a screen, I'm going to rush the passer as hard as I possibly can. When I see that quarterback throw the ball, I'm going to turn and run as hard as I can. And I'm going to act like I'm running down on kickoff. And I'm going to hit that receiver like he's on the kickoff returner. And I'm going to cause him to fumble. And it was just, uh, um, you know, it was pretty profound that he was bought into it. And, uh, you know, they, they called it out of the stack, so we stole that. And so we tell our guys uh, we want to play out of the stack football. And, 
you know, everybody talks about great effort, but, but what is it? I think, you know, we've defined it. We, we don't see a burst. We don't see a max speed out of every player and we don't see a finish either. We're making the play. We're stripping the play early on. There's a lot of loafs, you know, before guys kind of realize that you're not going to slack off on that, but you don't see a burst. You don't see a max speed and you don't see a finish out of all 11 guys, every single play, or you're not, uh, you're not going to be on the field for us. So that's the first thing we're going to do is play with great effort. And um, so with that being said, um, you know, now a, a, a corner with getting stocked by, by a receiver, I better see separation. I better see off and, and uh, you know, bubbles and the, the tunnel screens and the sharks and all of those things. Uh, you know, I, I can't say we stop, stop it every time, but it, it's more negative than it is positive for the offense when they do that. So, you know, one of the things that, that, that defenses have to, to be able to defend is, is four verts is, uh, are you dropping your mic back, to, you know, like a traditional Tampa two? Uh, how are you defending something like four verts or the are the Sam and the Will carrying verticals by number two? H how are you? Defending? Yeah, so so the the overhangs. So let's just start with Sam and Will. Our our overhangs. We're on drop. We're we're on turn our bus to the side and we're on drop. So our eyes are on the quarterback, and we're on drop until the quarterback sets up. Now, there's a feel to it. If you feel number two passing you with speed, then you got to expand. You need to keep going. You also now you got to get back running again and try to be in that window of the scene, forcing the ball to be elevated. They don't have to be, you know, I'm not saying they got to defend it. They just need to make the ball elevate. And the wheel linebacker, the guy in the boundary, has that happened to him a lot more than the guy to the feet, okay? So when, when you feel yourself getting passed by speed, you got to expand and you got to continue. Okay, and then our Mike kind of has the same rule. He's going to read runner pass. Once he reads pass, he's on drop. And we, we're always going to drop him to the side of three. And his, he's going to open to three and kind of work to that side. His job is just to make the ball elevate. Our safeties, those that we call them the free and the crew, those guys have all the pressure. And, uh, you know, in word fortune enough, we've got a guy, Jefferson Fritz, that uh, already has the conference interception record. And uh, I think he's eight or 10 away from being the national all time leader. So, um, you know, it helps them have really good guys back there but um, yeah we're not you know a lot of people say well it's just cover three for us it's not um, a lot of people say that mike just in order for him to be the run through he just has to take off that that's that's not true he, our job my job is to make sure we can tell a runner pass um, sometimes it's the mesh that you have to read uh, but most of the time you can still get even in today's game you can still get a run pass key from somebody in their stance, um, you know, I, you, I just think you can see it. And uh, we've proven that you can. So, um, yeah. So those guys, the Mike, the Will, and the Sam, their number one job is to make the ball elevate. And then the other thing for the two overhangs, we, we teach everything's off the quarterback's eyes. So 
if the quarterback's looking to you, you kind of maintain depth, and the backside guy starts falling into the middle, replacing the line linebacker. And that's going to happen probably somewhere around 10 to 12 yards depth. You know, once they get their drop, they'll start replacing the mic as the mic keeps pushing through. But all of that makes makes perfect sense. I mean, you're, you know, obviously the the everybody calls it, you know, whether it's the, the turkey hole or whatever, that little side, that, that weak spot right there between the, the corner and the safety. But when you're expanding those overhangs, that's, you know, especially when when he's looking, the quarterback's looking my way, that's got, like you said, that's going to elevate that ball and make it a difficult throw. And and if you are playing the percentages and, and making them throw the lower percentage throw, then usually you're going to be in pretty good shape. Yeah, we went from probably, oh, don't get me lying here, probably somewhere around 20 to 26 interceptions in a season when we were just strictly quarters. And, and we've pushed that thing. We've been – in the 30s and 18, we had 41. So when you can go to seven people dropping, seven people with their eyes on the quarterback and seeing the ball thrown and, you know, seeing seeing that quarterback crack the egg and get ready to throw it, good things are going to happen. You don't get all those tips and overthrows that quarterbacks make. And so our turnovers have really increased and our touchdowns, our defensive touchdown score has really increased. I mean – we played five games this year, and I think we had five or six touchdowns on defense. Um, so um, it's it's just for us, it has has really worked. Now we've had really good players. I get that, and kind of how we started our D line was another reason why we went into into Tampa. We had great pass rushers. Um, we had tackles that could play two gaps. You know, play head up on the, on the guards and, and play two gaps. And, uh, which, you know, if you can, if you can play with five in the box and it doesn't matter if they have six or if they have seven, you got a chance to be successful. And that's, um, that's what we've been able to do. We're not quite that talented, uh, right now, but this, this spring when we played, I was real impressed with, uh, we had four freshman defensive tackles that, uh, are really going to be good players uh, down the road. And, and they got a lot better in just the five games that we played this year. So I'm excited to see those guys mature and, and grow. And, and uh, So, you know, that's our deal. We're going to keep everything in front of us, make you drive the field. Um, obviously, you got to play situational football. We're not in Tampa with third and two and things like that. But uh, um, the the thing that I'm a base guy, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not into proving how smart I am. Uh, I think there's something to you know, your guys know exactly what they're doing. And uh, they have concepts that you've taught them. And it, so you can't practice everything. So you're in a game and offense is doing something that you hadn't worked. Um, your kids aren't panicking. They, they feel comfortable. They're, they, they know their rules. They know how things are going to fit up. And, uh, you know, they might get hit once, but they don't realize what happened to them and we're going to be able to talk about it and, and say this is how we adjust this thing and, and uh, we can go from there. So we've been uh, – I think we've been real good halftime adjustments and just sideline adjustments with with what we're seeing, you know. Um, you know, the other thing, you think of cover two safeties, you think of guys at 14, 15 yards, or well, we're at 10. Um, so we're – you know, you got to decide, or, or we don't be in Tampa, or we don't be in quarters, or we rolling to single. 
Um, are we sending five? You know, so uh, I think we have ways to give a bunch of different looks, but uh, our base is going to be a form of, of cover two. And, and uh, you know, I think everybody who plays against us know that, that our, we're hanging our hat on cover two. And, and uh, you know, that's what they're trying to figure out how to, how to beat. Let's let's real quick. Let, let, let's talk about just the um, kind of the, the footwork with your corners and your safeties uh, in that cover too. Talk about that a little bit from a guy who uh, has never coached DBs in a day of, of a day in his life. Okay, uh, our corners, uh, the boundary corner is more aggressive than the field corner, obviously, just because of the shorter throw and where it is, especially with the balls on the hash. So let's start with the boundary guy first. Uh, his feet. Um, I, I like his feet uh, balanced. Um, I want him four to six yards deep. I do want him inside of number one. Um, you know, if he has a skinny number two, what we teach is a slant technique. So our eyes see two into the quarterback. Uh, if two goes vertical, he will hinge. You know, he's squared. All, all that's turned in is his eyes. So he's squared up. He's inside of one. He's four to six yards deep. Feet are balanced. If two goes vertical, first thing he's going to do is hinge or zone turn. His butts don't go to the sideline. Okay. And as he sees two go vertical and feels two or feels one go vertical, he's just going to get in that hip pocket. Shuffle, shuffle, take off in that hip pocket and just stay in it. Um, If two would bubble, his eyes are going to go to one, and we don't think that it's some kind of RPO. So we don't punch one, okay, and then react to the ball being thrown, come down on two if it is. If it's not, he will stay on one and stay in that hip pocket and let the ball bring him up. Um, you know, if it's a late throw, a check down type deal. Um, if two is quick to the flat, we're just on midpoint. You know, again, that corner's number one responsibility is just to – to, to make the ball elevate. Everything is trying to get that thing. So we talk about the whole shot. You know, the whole shot is, you know, usually around 18 yards. So we tell that corner, he has to make the ball elevate past 15. The safety should be able to get across by then. The field corner, he plays seven to nine just because that's the longer throw. If they're just going to pop up and try to throw it out there to the numbers of the field, even if we're at seven or nine, we don't get down to it. And uh, so he's just pretty much watching this thing on TV. He's pretty relaxed. Um, he, I, I'll let, I want them to be square and turn their head in, but I got a guy right now that's more comfortable just kind of being turned in, you know, or already kind of being in a transition type stance uh, to see, and it helps him be patient. The last thing I want that field corner doing is backing out too soon. And there's no reason for him to get depth. He's already at nine. Uh, just sit there and read this thing on TV. And he has the same rules. If he has a skinny two, um, we play it the same. You know, a bubble, eyes are going to go to one, punch, get ready to come off. Uh, if two's to the flat, we're on midpoint. If two's vertical, we're on hinge and just stay in the hip pocket. Now, if I'm on a single receiver, um, now – we're going to be in a pirate technique because most of the time those guys are going to be the run support guy. Um, so they're going to be a D gap player or a B gap player, depending on 
uh, what's their sign. And uh, we don't read the end man on the line of scrimmage, and we don't try to read that back foot. You know, if that lineman, that tackle staying on the line of scrimmage, it's probably run. We don't take two little what we call scooch steps. We don't scooch, scooch, and then we read run. We don't react and trigger. And uh, if we see him drop back, we're just on hinge and midpoint. Yeah. Okay, now we now let's talk about those safeties uh, out of your base. What, what are those yeah, guys doing? Safeties, because of us not wanting to just give it away every single time, and we've done that. I mean, when we first put this thing in, our safeties were at 14. The boundary guy was five yards. I mean, he was five yards outside the hash. The free safety was on the hash. And uh, you could see it a mile away what we were doing. So uh, this past season, we put them at 10, uh, stayed on the hashes. Uh, when the ball was snapped, those guys would, would run out. I made them take two steps. You know, they opened, they turned around for two steps, and they got in their pedals. So uh, we got to 14. I, I, I felt that we were about a half a second late than what we normally are as far as our depth. And then from there, we're just playing off the quarterback's eyes. Yeah, I, I don't try to overcoach that thing too much. The boundary guy has to understand if he has a single receiver, that's more than not. That's where you don't get the whole shot. And he's got to be aware of that. So when I, if I have a single, I'm, as I open the run, I'm going to see the release of one. If it's outside, I'm taking, I'm getting wider. I'm going more towards the numbers than I am worried about getting back into my pedal. If I get an inside release, I'm just going to go back to my pedal. Well, Coach, we are, uh, as, as we get ready to kind of draw this thing to a close, we're going to, we're going to uh, enter into our rapid fire segment, our wildly popular rapid fire segment, I might add. This is uh, where we put a little bit of pressure on you and uh, ask you some questions and uh, get your answers from them. So uh, let's start out with this first. I've seen this crop up a lot on my Twitter, and I don't know why, but but I'm going to let you weigh in on it. And that is the the uh, polarizing issue of co- with coaches and that uh, of when it comes to Writing utensil of choice, Coach. So I'm going to throw it over to you. What's your writing utensil of choice, whether it's out on the practice field or in the office, pen or pencil, what do you got? I'm a pen guy because I, I sweat, and if I use a pencil, usually my paper's wet, and I, I can't read it after I do it. Okay. Now, now do you have a, a preference when it comes to, to types of pens? Yeah, I have G2. Oh, see, hey, look, here we go. That's... That's that's what I'm what I'm rocking right now. Uh, yeah, there we go. See, all right. G, now I, I like the G two uh, seven. Usually, I do have a ten also, but that does kind of bleed a little bit. Yeah, I got a G two seven. Yeah. There we go. All right, coach. See, there we go. Great minds think alike. Yeah, I um, I that's kind of one of those things I always have it in my pocket, and, and, I, and I don't. I, I feel like I'm missing an article of clothing if I walk out of the house without it. <laughs> And it's it's gotten me in trouble with my life, my, my wife before, because I leave it in my shorts pocket, and we do a load of laundry, and you know the the ink gets everywhere, and and so that's that's gotten me in trouble. But but anyway, all right. So we're we're a, p, a fellow pin guy. Okay, now talk about this. You guys have a beautiful stadium there, Mary Harden Baylor. Really, uh, it's got to be one of the best uh, D three stadiums in the country, much less just just football football stadiums in general. Uh, nice turf field there, but uh, what which do you prefer 
to to we'll just talk about this. Well, uh, just which do you prefer, turf, a nice turf field, or or natural grass? Well, I'm old school. I I like grass better, me personally. But I know our players like being on turf, uh, especially nowadays. You know the the old rubber field. You know when you get tackled and you had rubber in your eyes, they didn't like that. But uh, yeah, they've come a long ways in field development. Uh, I wish I would have had a chance to play on turf. Uh, seems safer. You don't have as many knees and stuff. You know, back in our day, that astroturf was hard and. Everything stuck, so there was a lot of knees and ankles that got tore up. So I'd I'd have to say, me personally, I'd rather play on grass, but I know our kids like turf better. Yeah, yeah. I we uh my I you know grew up in Huntsville and so played at Bauer Stadium there. You know we we mentioned you mentioned Sam Houston State earlier, and and it was astroturf when I was there, and so we had those those astroturf shoes. You know yeah. they kind of had the little bumps on the bottom. And it, it's rough. Yeah, you're, you're playing in a parking lot, basically, because if you fall, it's your skin and elbows and knees. And, and, and that wasn't that wasn't a lot of fun, uh, you know, playing on that stuff. So um, and, uh, Nebraska, Omaha, my junior year, it was a downpour. You couldn't see the press box. That's how hard it was raining. And there was water past her ankles because they had just no drainage whatsoever. And uh, shoot, man. It was like we were playing in a swimming pool that they just couldn't get fully drained. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 you know that's crazy as well. And and I guess that is a benefit of of playing on turf is it does handle the uh, the, the the weather better than, than grass does. Okay, so let's talk about this. Um, you know, been been at Mary Harden Baylor for a long time now. You got the routine down, the game day routine. Uh, when it comes to game days, are you a superstitious guy or no? Uh, no, not really. I mean, you, you, you got, I, I do have a certain deal of things that I, that I wear, but if, you know, if I forgot something, I'm not freaked out. No, I'm not a real superstitious person. I mean, got confidence in your preparation and, and uh, I'll leave it at that. Okay. All right. When you're driving around recruiting on the road, recruiting, uh, what's, what's on the, on the radio or on your 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 phone what do what what do you listen to when you're driving when when you're on the road recruiting uh usually pandora classic rock i'm on guns and roses metallica yeah there we go so that's usually what's on either that or i'm on just calling ahead trying to see if uh, i can get in or not you know to see a coach but yeah yeah i kind of like picture i don't know if you're a fan of the office but um the, the character Dwight, he he always listens to to heavy metal before he goes in to make a paper sale, and so I could I could definitely see you doing that as you pull up to a high school to get yourself psyched up before you go talk to some recruits or uh, you know maybe 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 uh, chop it up with some coaches. Okay, um, let, let, let's talk about this uh, as when, as you're calling a game. Uh, do you ha, have you called it from the sideline and the press box, and and w- which would you prefer? I like calling it from the press box because I'm an emotional guy and uh, it, it seems like I'm calmer and I get to, I, I see more from up there. I've called it from the sideline before and I, I have to get away. You know, I got to get down away to, 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 to really see where a play hits and what gap and all of that. And, you know, I just, down there with the kids, I think I cause more problems than I do good just because I get fired up and 
you know, I, I, I just, I think I, I have more confidence being to the coaches and the kids down if I'm just up in the box. Yeah. Yeah. Totally get that. Totally get that. All right. Well, here's our, we'll, we'll get you out of here on this one, coach. We're having this conversation on Cinco de Mayo. So I got to ask you this, what is your favorite or maybe your go-to uh, Mexican food item? Go-to. Uh, I probably eat more chicken quesadilla deals, uh, plates at lunchtime just because they can cook it so fast, but it's hard to beat a good fajita. No doubt. I'm right there with you, coach. And I have to imagine that in your time recruiting and, and, you know, uh, being, being in Belton, which is, you know, right there, uh, you know, in, in, in middle of central Texas, right there, uh, on, on 35, you're close to some great Mexican food restaurants. So where, where's a good place to get, uh, get, get fajitas in your area? Uh, the Taqueria Mexican Grill, number seven is the best one is right by Walmart. Uh, in my opinion, that's the best one, but, uh, shoot, you can't, you can't go wrong in Texas. It's all good. I, I was skinny when I came down here, but I fell in love with Mexican food and I'm just blowing up. But, um, no, it, it's good stuff. Yeah. I, and, and I've said this a lot of times on this podcast, but that's one thing I miss being up in our part of the state is it's, you know, we have some great Mexican restaurants in Texarkana, but it's just, it's different. Well, you know, when I was in Kerrville, you know, spent six years there close to San Antonio. Uh, it's just on a different level down there. And, you know, even in, even in Austin. Um, and, and so that's definitely one thing I missed the breakfast tacos, the, you know, just the, the choices of food of, of when, it, when it came to Mexican food uh, was, was uh, on a different level down there. Well, anyways, coach, uh, really appreciate you taking some time. I know you got a lot going on as you guys are uh, getting ready to, um, you know, just, just closing out the, 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 the school year with, with your recruiting. So I uh, want to thank you so much for joining us and, and uh, dropping some knowledge on us today. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, it'd be nice to have a clinic or something. I'd like to show some film and it's a little harder just on a zoom call, but uh, I appreciate you asking and I was quite flattered and I enjoyed doing it. Well, yeah, coach, absolutely. And, and as far as the clinic, we'll, we'll make that happen. We, uh, We'll, we'll, we'll definitely set that up maybe sometime uh, in the summer when things are slowing down a little bit and uh, we'll, we'll get some film going and, and, and talk through some of these things. Cool. All right, coach. Well, want to wish you guys the best of luck in, in 2021 as we look to getting back to normal and, and uh, playing a, a, a regular season in the fall and not this, uh, this spring business stuff. And, and so we want to wish you guys the best of luck this next year. Thank you. You too, coach. You guys uh, get back in that state title game. Man, thanks to Coach Harmon for talking with us today. I appreciate him making some time for us. Go follow Coach Harmon on Twitter at Coach underscore L Harmon and let him know you heard him here on KYPD. If you have a coach that you think we should bring on the podcast, hey, then shoot us an email to kypdpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at KYPD Podcast. Also, if you have a specific topic that you would like for us to cover, then you can also send us an email or DM us with that as well. We love getting feedback from you guys. Speaking of that, if you're liking what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating and a review. Yeah, it helps the podcast. Yes, it helps spread our audience. Yes, it lets people know about what we're doing. But really, guys, here's the honest truth. My self-esteem is paper thin. Okay, there it is. It's out there. I am in constant need of affirmation and 
base my entire self-worth on how many reviews and five-star ratings I get. So there it is. Cards all playing face up on a table. So go and take a couple minutes and leave us a review, please. Anyway, our quote of the day goes like this. Self-discipline is the root quality that will improve every aspect of your life. And with that, we will get on out of here. But don't worry. We'll be right back here next week with episode number 106. So subscribe now so you never miss an episode. Have a great week. And of course, as always, keep your pads down.